Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
there will be a lot of good conversation today. Um, Mayor, or I'm sorry, Lisa Wildridge, our vice president, is not going to be able to be here today. She's got a uh, personal thing. So I'm going to require or request, I guess I could require it, but I'll <laughs> request it to start with. Um, I need you guys to, to jump in and share this feed. Um, it's beginning on my public figure page that just says Joe Grumbine on it. It's got a nice solidarity ribbon, just like that one. Um, and I see Peggy and Glenn, and uh, welcome to the show. You can also, at any given time, um, and this is my co-host today, this is Patrice Mahoney. She'll be joining me for some conversation and uh, um, some lessons. We're going to be talking about due process and civil rights and um, the Bill of Rights, in fact. We're going to get deep into uh, some of the things that most people don't know about and some of the um, foundations of civil rights that we have had quantified and identified for us for over 200 years, and yet many, many, many people don't even know about them or how they work or what they are or how to rely upon them uh, in, in a case of uh, distress. And so we're going to get into that. Patrice is going to become a regular guest here, and she's going to be doing some lessons um, on a fairly regular basis. So let me introduce Patrice first, as I sort of did already, but <clears throat> let me go back. Um, I don't know, it was about five years ago I uh, was on a little journey for justice, and um, we had gone up to Montana to go help a, a guy who was in trouble, and we were on a bus trip, 10 days on a bus, and on our way back, we stopped in Sacramento um, to support one of the people that had a case up there named Shelby, and uh, we decided since we're going to be up there, and we had all these people that had gathered together to, to meet us um, to march. And so we went up to the uh, federal building, and we marched to the state building. Mm -hmm. And in this march, I don't know, it was maybe a mile or so, not, it wasn't very far, but far enough, um, I'm marching along and shouting at the top of my lungs, and I look over, and I see this lady on the street, and another lady, and they said, Joe, <laughs> and I said, oh, <laughs> what have I done, <laughs> never have I walked in a place I'd never been and had somebody recognize me, <laughs> and I, 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 I took a couple steps back, and I, I of course, introduced myself, and um, they gifted me with this little uh, wooden heart on a, on a, as a necklace, and I, I still have that heart around here somewhere, and it was, <laughs> Uh, just as the sweetest thing. Anyways, um, and that was five years ago, and since that time, uh, Patrice has um, become a member of the Human Solution, and she actually at one point was our secretary for a good long while, and she's been helpful in secretarial uh, filings and things like that for the last several years, and she's helped me um, immeasurably with uh some business things and many other things. And one of the things that's so impressive about Patrice is her passion. She um, she gets emotional sometimes when she starts 
thinking about the work we do and, and, and how we do it and uh, so much an advocate for civil rights and uh, so much so that she was moved to be here today. Now, Patrice wasn't always the lovely, sweet thing that you see before <laughs> you. At one point, she was a prison guard. and. Nope. Uh, a, a correctional officer. Counselor. All right, counselor. Counselor, counselor. no guard, no right. guard. she may, uh, she she does act up once in a while and yes. gets a little controlling, but <laughs> besides that, she's an incredibly wonderful person, and um, I'm just very pleased and proud to have her be part of this team. Now, when I talk about this team, I'm talking about the A-team, the team that I've been working so hard and so long to build, and one by one, uh, we're, we're gathering together a team of people who care enough about the end game, about the end goal. And I want to talk about that for one second, then we're going to get right into the guest. We've got Bob Bridges on the line, and uh, he's going to begin this, this show. Hopefully um, we've got Don going to talk to us about why we should be regulated, because I can't wait for that conversation. And we've got Sage going to be coming along, and we've got Glenn and... Um, so many guests that are going to be popping in today to, to have a little conversation. But I want to start the show, first of all, by um, maybe a moment of gratitude. I'm very grateful uh, for the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network for giving us a venue to give, to give us this show. And um, every week we get to do it. It doesn't cost us anything. But, um, you know, I am a member of the Coffee Party, so in some ways, uh, if I've at least acknowledged where it came from, but just really want to want to be thankful for these guys who have uh, provided this venue uh, pretty much to use as I see fit. So um, that's the first part of it. The second part of it is the show is put on by the Human Solution. The Human Solution International is a civil rights 501c3 nonprofit, and we are very dedicated to supporting uh, civil rights and defending those whose civil rights have been violated. And that's a big part of what we do. When we go to court in support of somebody, it's really not always about the details of the case. In fact, a lot of times it's not. There are plenty of cases where the individual did break a law. And we talked about that before. There's a lot of bad laws out there. Bad laws, frankly, need to be broken. They need to be broken more often and more widely by more people with blatant disregard because that's what bad laws are to me anyways. And, and, and I'm pretty much, if you don't know me, I'm not registered libertarian, but I'm very libertarian in my thinking. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I believe that my civil rights are what they are, and I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, however it takes its course, so long as I'm not depriving anybody else of their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I believe that's all there should be. There shouldn't be anything more defining that aside from, you know, there are technical things and things where people have to work together and you have to define things. But besides that, getting to the spirit of the law, why do we need more laws? We have over 400 lawmakers, and their job is to make laws. They've been doing this for 240 years. How many laws do we need, people? I just want to know. I don't think we need nearly as many as we have. And I think the lawmakers should start repealing laws because that's just the same as making a law. Anyways, that's my never-to-be-humble opinion, and that's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I have to say about that. Um, I got sidetracked. I said I wasn't going to do this, so I'm going to stay focused. The focus of the day is 
the people that I'm working with and the members of the Human Solution are a proud, capable, amazing group of people, passionate group of people that really believe that no one should go to jail for a plant ever. What that means is that cannabis shouldn't be a crime ever at all. And the only way it can be not a crime is if it's let be free. That's the only way. Because the second you slap a regulation on it, it's no longer free because there's a way to violate that regulation, thus rendering it a crime. That's my two cents. Now, remember this, people. We are all equal by our nature as humans. Maybe that's the only way we're equal. But from that fundamental point of view, we are equal. We're all made out of the same stardust. We all have the same core. We all have a soul and a heart, and, and, and there is nothing that separates us. You take away the body and our spirit, you would not know one from another. We're all made out of the same stuff, and we all have the same rights to be here and to do, and those rights are not something that a man gets to decide, even though they do, and they force their will on us because we let them. The bottom line is we are all created equal. Beyond that, I don't think we're very equal at all. We're very different, and that doesn't mean good or bad. It just means we're not equal beyond that. Now, here's the deal. One of the things that we're all equal in is we are creative beings. What I mean by that is we create with our thoughts. Every single thing you see around you, everything you touch, everything you you see that was ever made or or affected by man was first thought about. So what that means is, in my opinion, the only reason that we don't have liberty for this plant in ourselves is because we haven't allowed it to happen. We haven't demanded it happen. We haven't thought it strong enough and loud enough and hard enough in our heads. That's it. Because I know that when it happens, when enough of us do get together and do just think it, and in thinking it, we decide to act on it, it will happen. And it will become important enough. It will become loud enough and clear enough and bright enough. And it will shine through all the things that are keeping it from happening right now. And it will happen. And this isn't anything other than the way things are. We create with our thoughts, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. And if you believe something and believe in it loud enough and strong enough, it will come to pass. And it does. And so, again, it's, I, I struggle with this because I'm like, what the fuck are you all wanting? Why does everybody want this oppression so badly? I don't understand that. And so that's what I'm here to hopefully uh, reel in enough people that do want freedom, that do want uh, the change that's necessary because we can have it. We can have it. So today, we've got a big show. We've got uh, Don going to be calling in from Washington again to tell us about why things need to be regulated, and I can't wait for that. I don't know if he's going to show up or not, but if he does, it'll be interesting to say the least. Um, Patrice is going to talk about some due process, and we got a guy who called me up this week, and I don't know if he's going to call or not. This is one of my frustrations because 
I, I tell everybody that we are an amazing amplifier. And when you have passion for what you're doing and you advocate for yourself, we will support you and we will amplify it. We will cause more people to know about it and more people to care, and that's just how it works. But when you call me up and you tell me about your case in Colorado where it's supposedly legal and you got raided and you got your property stolen and you're getting charged with crimes and you're telling me that it's because of a law that hasn't even passed or hasn't even gone into action yet, I say to myself, well, stand up with me and tell, our, tell your story. Hopefully this guy will. Um, I don't know that he's come onto the site yet and put it. But unfortunately, so many people come to that place, and they believe that we're somehow a free lawyer to be had or money that can be had. And every single one of us has to take that first step and be our own advocate, because if you're not, who's going to advocate for you? That's right. That's right. If you don't stand up for yourself and tell us why it's important and what is wrong and how we can fix it, we'll sit around and go, wow, man, I feel for you. I'm there for you in spirit. That's what everybody will say, because that's what they do. But give us a little direction. Show us what's wrong and how we can correct it, and we will show up for you and we'll bring our friends. So that's what's going on today, um, and who knows what else. Always a lot more than that. George Martorano will probably call if I can uh, remind him. He's over on the East Coast, and sometimes he loses track of time. Now, I, I did hear that Craig has been off and on lockdown. Um, today, so I don't know if he's going to be able to make it on the show, but to any guest who's on the show right now, or if we're talking, when Craig calls in, we'd stop your conversation, put it on hold, Craig gets his 15 minutes, and then we resume after he's done, so that's just the nature of it. Um, Being in federal prison, sometimes they have problems, sometimes everybody goes on lockdown, and sometimes he can't call, so we're just advised his daughter uh, got a hold of me and let me know that that was a possibility. All right, let's begin here. We've got uh, Bob Bridges on the line, and, um, you know, I've got so many people that are calling. I believe he's from Ohio, and I think he's got some really interesting information. Bob, uh, Paul, I apologize for my lack of, uh, of preparation for your call, but I did know that you were calling, um, and uh, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, first off, thank you for having me on this evening. Um, very humbling and very honored to be on your, your program. Um, my name is Bob Bridges. I sit on the Ohio Medical Marijuana Advisory Committee representing patients. And that that is an appointed position. I was appointed by the Speaker of the House here in Ohio uh, to fulfill that role. And so my main job as the medical marijuana program in Ohio is created and crafted and moving forward is to make sure patients are protected and everything in the program is for the patients. And so I take my job very seriously and that's where I'm at. And I want to say, Hey, you know, out there on the West coast, you know, um, I go all the way back to Proposition 215 days uh, with my advocacy for uh, cannabis usage all around the board. Uh, what, what's quite interesting, <laughs> I, I, I laugh about it because I am a libertarian. I was the chair of the Libertarian Party of Ohio at one point in time in my career. 
and and I was appointed by a Republican. So you know, hey, yeah, sometimes they get things right, you know, or it takes a libertarian to fix the mess that they got themselves into. So so tell me about your um, tell me about your your philosophy because I I deal with a lot of people who think a lot of things and and. And many, many people believe that we're um, the only road to access to people, whether it's patients or non-patients, is through rigorous regulations and taxation and limitations. And when we say regulations, it doesn't have to be limiting, but they always are. Um, and my question is, where do you come from philosophically? Not, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to uh, even tear apart or, or criticize your work. I, I'm grateful that you seem to be on our side with this. But where are you coming from? Like, how would you know when your goal was reached? What is your goal with this, with this position that you have? My goal, well. You got a couple questions there, so let me divide that, divide your your statement up there real quick, and try to answer both. Sure, um, of course. What, where my philosophy lies, I'm basically a legal as lettuce type of person. Um, I I don't think there should be any law uh, when it comes to cannabis. Um, we don't have any laws when it comes to corn or soybean or growing tomatoes in your garden. Why do we have a law on cannabis? It makes no sense, um, Correct. and it's very it's very vain. And, you know, if you if if you're a, a spiritual person and biblical, and you believe that way, it's very vain of man to go against God's will because man did not create this plant. This plant did not just pop up on the planet. It's been here since its creation. So, man's so, not going to destroy it either. <laughs> you know, Good evening. <laughs> so you know, it, it, I no laws on it whatsoever, really. You know, if you grow tomatoes like here in Ohio, you it, out in the rural areas, um, you can drive on a country road uh, during the uh, summer, and you'll see little farm stands, so to speak, where somebody has built a stand. And they got tomatoes and ears of corn and squash and zucchini there. And they got a jar. It's an honor system. You go up, put a couple dollars in, take your produce, and go about your way. I have no problem with somebody putting cannabis buds on the same cart with a glass jar and people doing the same thing. You know. But when it comes to my role as a patient advocate, <clears throat> since um, – it's commonly known here as 523, that is the medical marijuana program law. Um, my philosophy, I try to interject as much as possible as the rule makers come along and make, make the stringent regulation on, on the program. And uh, they have regulated this thing so much Forbes magazine uh, called it a cluster of missed opportunities because of the <laughs> overregulation on it. <clears throat> so I'm in there trying to, act, you know, 
advocate as much as possible for patient protections right now. Um, I don't know. They codified in the law uh, the same this idea of a of an affirmative defense, and for lay people out there that does, do not know what an affirmative defense is, it's when there's a law and you um, like prescription drugs, for example, if you're driving in your car and you just picked up your prescription from the pharmacy and you get pulled over, if the cop would arrest you for having the bag of pills, you go to court, you show your prescription from the doctor, you show you got it from that pharmacy, that's your affirmative defense. You're allowed to have it, meaning you're allowed to do something. Um, and then you go about your way. So let me back up to Ohio. Since Ohio passed this medical marijuana program, um, and there's supposed to be this affirmative defense, meaning if you go to a doctor, you get a recommendation, and you're within compliance of usage in the state of Ohio, that's your affirmative defense. And we still got, we have people getting arrested for it, yes. for possession, <laughs> for, for getting the medication. I know a number of them, actually. You see one? <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> On two different occasions. More than, yeah, many times. So my, my thing with that is, is I'm, I'm trying to push the pharmacy board who controls the patient registry to have them open up the patient registry. And they're refusing to do so right now, even though September 8th, the program was supposed to be live. And the reason that they gave me just doesn't make any logical sense <clears throat> on it. And and that is uh, they do not want to open up the program until 60 days prior to product being on the shelf, basically is what they're saying. And because of the 60-day window in 523 about the affirmative defense clause, but that's for lay people. If they want to believe that, those of us that are in the know know that the affirmative defense never goes away, ever, because it's an idea. It's not something tangible. Um, so they use a scare tactic and talking with big words to make people not understand, and the drones just nod their heads, you know, so... Yes, they do. Some of the non-drones nod their heads, too. Both directions. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's where I'm at. I'm trying to get patients protected. I'm trying to make sure the program goes off. So this is the letter of the law of the land here in Ohio. So as, as best as we can comply. I mean, we've, we've gone from prohibition to, to this. That's a step one. Yeah, we're a little behind the curve. Uh, when it comes to other states, but I'm glad to see my conservative state move in this direction. Very proud of the fact because it's historical for one, for the state of Ohio, two, sitting on the front lines, watching it, and three, being able to be an active participant in history being made. So, you know, that's the cool aspect of doing what I do. 
<clears throat> where I would I would I would call for action, you know, as I project my voice out over the airwaves here, is for people to contact the state senators and state legislators here in Ohio about the controlling of hemp CBD. The pharmacy board has deemed here in Ohio that hemp CBD needs to be controlled because it is a marijuana product, because it comes from the cannabis genome. Uh, Where in logical sense does cannabis and hemp, besides being cousins of the same plant, ever mimic each other? They don't. You can smoke until the cows come home. You're going to get a headache. Can, can I can I interject for a second? And this is one of the things that even even very knowledgeable people often I don't know um, maybe misstate or maybe state in a confusing way the nature of things. And I want everybody to realize. And I, I keep hearing cannabis and hemp described as though they're different plants. There are three cannabis types. There's cannabis indica. Cannabis, cannabis sativa and cannabis ruderalis. That's it. There's no cannabis hemp. There's no hemp is cannabis. There's only three types of cannabis, period. The only thing that we have as a nation, period, identified as the hemp plant is that strains have been um, bred that contain less than 0.03% THC. And that is it. It's the way that they're grown. They're grown generally in uh, very close proximity, so they make long stalks, and they tend to be very seeded um, as hemp is grown for fiber. But genetically, if you were to, again, peel the body off of it, you would not be able to tell the difference between a sour diesel plant or an industrial hemp plant. They're the same plant genetically. And I think that There's a lot of miscommunication, even amongst advocates, even amongst people that um, are scientifically driven to do the same things, even people that are very uh, spiritually motivated in a very pure way. I think that there's a lot of just frank misinformation that's out there, and especially when it comes to being legislated. And this is where the legislation gets all wonky because it literally makes it so that legally one thing is different from another, even though genetically they're not. And the only difference is this arbitrary selection of an, of an amount of active ingredient that's been identified as delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, and that's it. And, and I, I didn't mean to just sort of jump in and derail you, but... I know that I get hit with this a lot of the time, and people are always asking me about CBD hemp drive, CBD cannabis drive, hemp this, hemp that, cannabis this, cannabis that. And that's the point I need to make is scientifically, if you follow the genome and you follow the tree of life and and you follow it down, you're going to get to the same three places. I'm in full agreement with you. I mean, 100%, and science for that matter, you know. 
And yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I, I don't take it as a derailment. You know, and I I understand. Um, well, this will be a derailment. And this is Craig Cecil calling from federal prison. We thought he was locked down, but he's on right now. Hang tight. As soon as his call's over, we'll bring you right back. He's serving a life sentence for pot. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, we're in the dark in uh, Terre Haute today. It's stone dark out there now. It's yeah, yeah, the, the the season's turning quickly. Listen, your daughter contacted me before the show and said that you guys have been off and on lockdown and that you weren't sure if you're going to be able to call in. What's going on over there? Um, I'm really not sure this time. Oh. We've got a, a new captain who's the like the head of security and some other people here new. And they've been on and off the lockdowns quite a bit. They're, it's kind of hard to explain. They, they locked us down at 1 o'clock, and we were locked down for about three hours. Then we were out for a little while. And then, I mean, it's been going on lately, and I, sometimes it's hard to figure out why. It, it'll be just real small events that they'll get mad at, like, one or two people and lock down the whole institution. It's, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sounds like some new muscle just flexing around, just... Just try to make sure everybody knows who's boss around there. Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to understand because uh, they they don't even you know publish this is our point. <laughs> yeah. So we really don't know what they're kind of trying to do other than to aggravate us, really. Yeah, it's like beating the dog for no reason. What are you going to accomplish but just confuse them and piss them off? It just made us, you know, we were locked in the cells for hours, you know, looking outside at a nice day. I mean, it, it was really, you know, I mean, it, there didn't seem to be any point to it. Well, um, we've got some interesting uh, interesting folks on the line this week. Um, I've got actually a guy that was, uh, he, he was just in the middle of conversation He's in Ohio and advocating for patients' rights, doing a really great job, and all about the, you know, free it like like a lettuce plant. And, uh, um, but, uh, of course, you're dealing with the legislation, so they, they don't typically understand that language. So we, we have to quantify and identify things in a way that makes them think they're getting something for it, and usually in the form of tax dollars. Uh, they listen a little better, but uh, anyways, uh, it's it's great to listen, you know, to what's going on on the East Coast. They've come really far from a few years ago. It was very, even though they had some kind of a medical protection, it it was very uh, limited, and they're they're making a lot of a lot of strides. Even though we have a family that's uh, under siege, they were following their medical laws, and they got arrested and. They're facing felon, multiple felony charges right now, and they're one of the cases we're supporting right now. Well, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Peggy and Glenn in uh, Ohio. That's who I, I was I, talking I about. I a letter from them this week. Oh, good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I understand that the law is chasing after them, and it, it sounds like in an irrational way, which... As you know, I can well understand. <laughs> Very much, and that you know, they're they're going through the same road I was going on, and 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 the same road that you know, unfortunately, you got sucked into, and haven't been able to get free of. But 
they're they're fighting this battle, and the fact that they reached out to you while they're going through all of their grief. We've been writing letters on their behalf, and um, you know they've got they've been making a lot of progress, rallying local support, which is really the crux of of our plan. Is you get enough people standing together with you, and it's a lot harder to uh, have the bully come and pick on you. So you know. Um, but, you know, in the midst of it all, um, Glenn has stepped up. Glenn and Peggy both have stepped up as chapter coordinators, and uh, they're running for um, for office in our organization. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be holding elections. And, um, it's you know, they're, they're inspiring people to work with. That's great. Especially now I, I understand that uh, – there seems to be a new initiative out of the White House or out of the administration there in Washington to put out anti-marijuana propaganda, basically, because they found a need to have to push back against all the different agencies and the different groups that are promoting marijuana. Uh, I don't really see why they have to do this, but apparently they, they figure that this is something that they need to spend our tax dollars on. Your tax dollars at work, you know. Uh, better living through through government. That's that's that. In my opinion, is you can probably fix a couple of potholes with what they're spending to disseminate a message like that. And like I say, you know what? What is the point? You know, why do they spend tax dollars to you know to fight for an agenda that Americans in general don't support? Well, what one dollar spent on that would be too much, in my opinion. Haven't I seen, like, the last number is, like, somewhere 63 or 65 percent of Americans prefer that the federal government get out of regulating marijuana and leave it up to the states? Let's call it from a federal Plenty of us would, would prefer they get out of a lot of things, <laughs> like most of them. <laughs> I can't think of a lot of things that I wish the government was involved with, you know? I mean, I just, there just aren't a lot of things that qualify for that. <laughs> so how did the softball league end up going? Did you guys finish with your, with your league? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, uh, they're going to be handing out uh, boxes of Kool-Aid to the, uh, to the uh, team that won the, the softball tournament. <laughs> then they're going to literally be drinking the Kool-Aid, huh? Well, I mean, that, that's the best we can do, so we're going to go with it. So hey, I'll take it. paying for, for Kool-Aid. <laughs> Hell yes. And, and you survived as being the, uh, the overseer of it all, so that worked out pretty good. Yes, yes. It, it, it's kind of fun because it makes it fun when I walk down the corridor, you know, and I, you know, get harassed by a lot of people and, you know, just have fun with the, the notoriety that came with it. And all the complaints that come, you know, which whenever I made a schedule, there's a whole lot of people that just didn't like it or I put a point on fires and they just wouldn't like it. But, you know, all in all, I, I, I would say it was more of a positive experience than anything. So. I am happy with it. Well, even the negative side of it is still comical. I mean, it's baseball, for God's sake. So whatever anybody could have a problem with, I mean, it's still, you know, it's it's, it's on the lighter side of things, that's for sure. It is, it is. And uh, 
I'd say most of the guys rally together. So, you know, it, hmm. um, it kind of makes sense out of itself, you know, without, without fights, without, you know, any of the ugly stuff. So it, everything worked out well, I, I would say, overall. Well, you know, the good news is, or lots of good news, but one of the good news is, is this show is getting more and more reach. And um, we've been picking up a lot of new members as we're coming in closer to elections. And we've been building some good alliances, um, individuals that have their own groups and individuals that are activists. Uh, they've been coming aboard, and, and you know, we're, we're working on a number of projects that are going to involve multiple groups and organizations um, to further this purpose of ending prohibition. Well, in this election season... You know, with the 435 uh, U.S. representatives up for re-election, I'd like the listeners to push their representatives to force them to make a stand on the federal government's involvement in marijuana. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to push most of them off of their seat and onto some other career path. Amen. The problem is it's... They all say one thing, but then they do nothing. <laughs> That's where marijuana seems to be sitting. Have you noticed? I, I, I keep wondering, like, when, like, do you ever see the old Charlie Brown, uh, you know, comics where uh, Lucy holds the football and tells Charlie Brown, come on, Chuck, kick the ball. And he says, oh, no, I don't want to do it. You always pull the ball back. And she goes, no, not this time. I won't do it. Okay. And he runs up to kick the ball, and every single time she pulls that ball away, and whoop, he lands on his back and says, good grief. And I think to myself, every time these election cycles come, and I see all these politicians up there stumping their speeches, and I think to myself, bullshit, 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 and bullshit. And then sure enough, it all comes to pass. Typically, not one thing or very little that they ever claim is going to happen on the on the campaign road ever does. And that's why I just wonder, when are we going to remember this when election time comes up? Like, I don't ever see anybody get called out for what they said they were going to do four years ago, two years ago, six years ago, whatever the term was. We just keep putting them back in office. Yep, we don't hold them accountable. I mean, our immigration system has been goofed up for how long, and uh, when was the last time they they passed or even negotiated a whole lot to try to fix the, even just one aspect of it, you know? Maybe not the whole thing all at one time, but, the, you know, let's just chip away at parts of it that are broken. Well, and, and like I said, we could say the same about uh, uh, the sentencing laws. We could say the same thing about, um, you know, the the labor laws inside of the Mm -hmm. prisons. You know, we're working on a project right now with Amy King, um, and and we're researching all of the, well, as much as we can find of the companies that use prison labor in any way to create their products and, um, you know, uncovering some of the the darkness behind that. And, And why isn't it that I don't have any problem with, prisoners having an opportunity to have a job, but to be compensated in some way that would make some kind of sense. You know, if you're being productive inside of a a situation like that, you would think that there'd be some way that you could 
gain other than the nickels that they throw at you for, for a day's work, uh, you'd think that there would be some kind of positive reinforcement that could come, and maybe some rehabilitation could even come out of it. That's what they claim these things are supposed to be, right? I agree, and, you know, as you know, in the, the federal prison system, they have what's called federal prison industries, or it's kind of, well, it's also known by its trade name of Unicorn. And uh, now they mainly build things for the government, and they pay us, you know, of course, labor and wages, the, the highest wage being just over a dollar an hour. But uh, anywhere from, well, 23 cents to a dollar an hour. And, uh, but uh, the problem is, is they, they haven't made an effort to make it work for the prisoners to teach job skills that these people can use when they leave and, and things like that. Now, all day long, I inspect the uh, production of blankets and towels, which is something that's really not even done in the United States anymore because it pays so little. <laughs> but there's so many occupations that, you know, the, they could have prisoners do for the federal government that, you know, would teach them a skill that they could take with them to the street and hopefully, you know, have a chance to do something other than crime to support themselves. Well, you know, that would just make way too much sense. I mean, if you were to, if you were, and I've always said this, you know, and it goes across all all political lines, it goes across all, every kind of boundary. If you were to impose a ministry of common sense into our government, everything would change. Everything, including the way that the prison system is set up and run, including this sort of thing, the immigration laws, all of it. There would be so many changes if we were to hold our policies to some kind of common sense. Well, the, the Bureau of Prisons suffers from the same thing as, uh, or actually worse maybe, than the rest of the government. Look at the Navy in the last few years. They had three of our super advanced Navy vessels. with college from a federal prison. With a huge crews of people and all kinds of really exotic equipment, and they're smashing in the freight ships that are two or three times their size. And how can that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how can a, a you know a, a super tanker sneak up on one of us? Because I, the people aren't trained and they're they're not forced to you know follow through and do their job. Yeah, it, it makes no sense at all, and those things are so expensive. Nobody has any idea what what the the naval fleet costs to operate and what those vessels cost to make, regardless of what they're doing. I mean, they could be doing humanitarian work and you still can't crash into people. It's ridiculous. And yet it happens constantly, and more and more it seems. Hey, there's your second beat, Craig. Go ahead and finish it up. Okay, well, it, it, just like we talked earlier, you know, like to shout out to those still fighting, you know, what the government's doing to them in relation to marijuana, like Peggy and Glenn. And especially, let's get a hold of our our congressmen that are up for election here, and uh, let's figure out, you know, where is your stand on marijuana? What are you going to do about, you know, fixing what we know is wrong about our criminal justice laws? Absolutely. Well, today, Craig got to finish his thought before getting cut off. And for everybody who doesn't know, um, Craig Cecil is a man who's been on this show for, I don't know, almost five years now. Yeah. can't believe I've been running, doing this show for almost five years. Yeah. But um, he calls in at potential peril to himself 
uh, from federal prison because you're not allowed to do what he's doing without special permission. They call it a third-party call. And he risks this every week so that he has a voice. He gets to uh, communicate to the outside world. He's grateful for this show and the opportunity to speak on it. And um, it matters. Craig is serving life in prison for pot. And Craig didn't even have any pot. So our prison system is beyond screwed up. The system of plea deals and... um, the way that everything works is just beyond wrong. There is most attorneys that I talk to that are actually supportive and helpful and involved um, decry that there is no legal, no, ju- no justice system, but rather a legal system. And I, I can't agree more. When I was going through it, I was railroaded, literally railroaded. If it wasn't for the appellate court and all of the people that were standing with me, bearing witness to what happened, I'd be probably finishing out a prison term right now um, for pot. All right, we're going to go back to Bob, and then we're going to bring up Glenn um, very shortly, and we're going to put them both on the line at the same time. Bob, there you go. Sorry about cutting you off. Um, Craig calls in from federal prison every week, and uh, he's serving a life sentence for pot. And there's just nothing right about that. There's nothing good about that. It's It's the wrongest thing there is to happen, and the least I can do is give him 15 minutes on the air every week. I, I, no, no offense taken, uh, it, and it, it pains me in my heart to hear that somebody is locked down over a plant. It, it, it's ridiculous, you know, and I, I feel for the brother 100%. Um, well, the good news and, is, is and thank that you, we're and thank you for doing that. Of course, the work that we're doing makes a difference. Um, it makes a difference to Craig and 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 many of the others that we support. And so, you know, it's 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 worth it on every level. Um, but that's one of the things that is. Uh, it, it gets really real when you start talking to people that are that are serving a life sentence. I mean, I was locked up for a brief period, a few months, and that was hell. I can't even imagine being sentenced and having, you know, a, a sentence like that or, or anything. I mean, Aaron Sandusky's serving a 10-year sentence for pot right now, a friend of mine, and he's in year seven, I believe. I You know, I know a number of people that are currently serving time uh, for pot. And they don't have any way to get out, and there's nothing we can do unless we all stand up and make that decision. Yes. Is that mostly in federal prisons? There are still a lot of people in state prisons. Um, Michael Thompson is still in state prison. There's a do- lot and of. What pe- state is that? that he's, he's in. in? He's in Michigan. Uh, there's still a lot of people. Richard Delisi's still in prison in Florida. Um, we've got uh, actually Amy just came up with a new guy in, in New York. He's 70-some years old, wow. and, and he's in prison for pot. And it was a ridiculous case. Mm. So they're all ridiculous cases. But anyways, uh, to get back on track, uh, Bob, I um, I wanted to let you finish your thought, and I wanted to bring uh, Glenn Keeling on the line. Um, he's got an update with his case, and I I'm, I believe you're the one, or he's the one that introduced you to the show, and 
is responsible for you you coming on the show. He is, as a matter of fact. Um, just to finish out my thought, I, where, where I was going um, with it uh, before you interjected and then we, you know, had the other call in, uh, was to show the mentality that I was dealing with here in Ohio. Uh, they have separated all this. Right. And, you know, uh, and so it, it's maddening, you know, when you know scientifically what it is, and then you hear this nonsense. Right. And these are supposedly educated people, you know. On one level, they separate it, and they say these two things are different. We actually have a law or a series of laws that identify them as being different, and it's erroneously, but they have created this artificial quantifier. And we have this Hemp Farm Bill Act that allows farmers to grow hemp federally, even though it's the same plant. And and they've decided... You know, the, this artificial difference is real enough that they can do that. And then they turn around on the other side of it, and they say, well, yeah, they can grow it, but we got to turn around and treat it again like like the other side of the of the coin, where it's it's totally taboo and or regulated. I mean, any way you look at it, there's there's not any way you can go and be consistent. You have to either let it all go or oppress it all, at least you're being consistent if you oppress it all. It doesn't make you right. It just means you're consistent. Then you start doing this right. shuffle in the deck like this, and it makes no sense. But the, the beautiful thing, and I'll wrap up Ohio's woes with this. Because of how the pharmacy board has defined cannabis and, quote, unquote, him. <laughs> Um, as being all under the cannabis genome. Federally, if the Farm Bill of 2018 passes, which it looks like it's going to, federally they will have legalized, quote-unquote, hemp again. And now in Ohio, you have just legalized cannabis all the way around. So the byproduct of their screw-up is that. So whether they realize it or not, I don't know, me talking about it on the air, if they're listening, wonderful. If, if not, hey, it's, we get to keep the secret a little bit longer, you know. <laughs> but Well, Bob, I, I'm very grateful that you were able to, to join us today, and I'm going um, to bring Glenn on. I believe, hopefully, they've got some news for us. Um, and everybody that um, we, we had a glitch in the live feed, which happens all the time, and that's one of the reasons I've been streaming it on YouTube. But with Lisa not here, I wasn't able to do the – most people are familiar with the Facebook feed. It gets a lot more views. So I, um, I'm running the Facebook feed, but it just got disconnected, and it's, I just restarted it. Hopefully this time it will stay good. Anyways, we've got Glenn Keeling with hopefully – I'm crossing my fingers here – some good news. Glenn, welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, Joe. Good evening. You. Good evening, Bob. Thank you for coming coming on the show. Um, hey, Glenn. How, thank you. My update is we are scheduled for yet another attorney conference, October 12th at oh. 8.40 morning this time. Um, the 
issue is, is the last two times of court, our attorneys have, both Peggy's and my attorney, has asked for the the surveillance, the six months of surveillance that, that they claim that they had, that they got the warrant on. Um, now, this is the third time that they have asked for this, and they've not been able to produce it. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what's really going on. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the 12, um, according to, to Peggy's attorney, the 12, if they do not have any, if they don't have what they want, they're going to ask for an immediate trial right then and there. Well, I, I, I wish uh, somebody would pull that card a lot sooner than later. It seems like uh, we're always waiving our right to speedy trial, and I understand that there's, you know, there, there's an art to it, and a good trial attorney will know when to move forward and when to hold back, and I, I, I begrudgingly waived my right to speedy trial for year after year because that's what it ended up taking to get me where I went. Had I not done that, I likely would have ended up being sentenced because all the things that needed to play out wouldn't have played out. So, um, you know, generally speaking, I think it's in our best interest to move forward as quickly as we can. Even if our case isn't as prepared, it's generally because they haven't turned over their discovery correctly, and by them not doing that, it violates our due process, which in any reasonable court would hold up in our favor and get a case thrown out, as it is supposed to be. Um, So hopefully your attorneys will decide to get a little more aggressive. I know know that, you know, everybody's doing the best they can, and you guys, you know, have to rely um, on these attorneys. to some degree, but at one point, uh, I wish I wish they'd just get off their ass and do the right thing. Right. Well, now that with uh, Saturday passing, with the eighth coming and going, um, it does kind of put you know cannabis here in Ohio. Um, from my understanding, in Ohio now cannabis is now a Schedule Two. Um, so I I think that there's a we, either way it goes, we had a, a recommendation from the very beginning um, from all of this through, I mean, from the time that they come to our house, we had a, our recommendations, and we continue to keep our recommendations good. Um, you know, it, it goes back to what they were saying. You know, if you got two people at the bar and, and they've been drinking, the guy that's going to speed home is going to be the one that gets pulled over. The guy that just normally takes his time and goes home He's going to make it home fast. That's what we did. We were loud about, you know, advocating for cannabis. I ran for mayor here in town. I'm going to run again. Um, You you know, ran for city council. um, And and that was my stance, you know, freedom of choice. You you know, cannabis should not be allowed for grown-ass people. You know, I, I don't like that word. I don't like legalization either because, you legalize it, and you've got a whole host of other problems and issues that comes along with legalization. But my biggest issue and my biggest problem is being allowed to do something as, as being an adult. Um, and and I'm, I am grateful for Tim Johnson and Wendy Johnson and Bob Bridges doing everything they can 
above and beyond for all the patients here in Ohio. Excellent. Well, it's uh, definitely in a, a round of applause for these guys. And you know, it, it doesn't take much. It takes a few people to put in a solid effort, and all of a sudden you can shift the tide. And that's that's the key to all of this. Is one person has to take that first step, and you get a, a, a small crowd around you, and all of a sudden you can turn that into anything you want pretty quickly. It's 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 over and again we've proven it, and. You know, you guys are really getting a foothold. I'm, I'm proud of the work you're doing, and um, as much as I just want to see us get to the last page of this, I, I feel like um, the pages that we're in right now, at least in Ohio, seem to be moving in the right direction. Right. Yeah. I, I they are. I mean, you know, we got people, Bob Bridges. I, I mean advocating for patients here in Ohio, Wendy and Tim day after day going out, you know, to the state house and doing all that they do. You know, um, I'm, we're really grateful for people like that, you know, that fight every day for patients. Um, listen, you know, I'm on Facebook, you know, I, I, I'm a chapter leader here in Ohio people. You got to reach out to people. Um, I'm real easy to find. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Creative Care Beacon, the Human Solution International Ohio chapters on uh, Facebook. Um, my phone number is 419-863-0498. Please reach out. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, Bob, how does somebody get a hold of you if they uh, want to help out or, or, or learn or whatever it is that, that might be a good thing to connect with you on? Well, uh, as well, I'm I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's Bob Bridges, um, kind of handsome looking guy <laughs> in the profile pic. Uh, my email address uh, is B as in boy, the word Bridges, and then the word cat all together. B Bridges Cat at Gmail dot com, or you can reach out to me by contacting me through my phone number six one four. Four five four one zero zero seven. Fantastic. Well, Bob, I very much appreciate you coming on the show, and I welcome you back anytime you've got an update or something that you uh, think you'd want to add to it. Um, and I just uh, like to consider you an ally. Well, thank you, thank you, and uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing from me pretty soon, uh, guys. I got something up my sleeve that's going to rock Ohio, so. I love it. I love it. I, I'm all about things and things that go in them. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, Bob Bridges and uh, Glenn and Pe- uh, well, Glenn Keeling and his wife Peggy. Um, I consider them both together as one. Peggy's always clacking away on the keys, and uh, and Glenn's usually the voice. So, um, just it's it, it's a powerful force as couples start coming together. I'm, I'm really excited, actually. Our growth has been um, couple-centric. We've had uh, a lot of new members joining the organization, and we have a a couples package that for $6.30 a month, two people can join instead of the $4.20 a month that one person can join. Okay, so we need a package for seniors. <laughs> a package for seniors. I got your package for seniors right here. Right. And I think it should be the 420 Club. I think that's awesome. I think it's perfect. Well, you're certainly welcome to join that in in that way. And and I 
I'm all about boxing up little uh, little different ways to do it. So okay. yep. from the human solution side of things, we're um, getting a quote on some brand-new T-shirts. And uh, I saw James uh-huh. um, Meissner, you rocked that shirt even though it didn't fit you. Um, <laughs> we got, I don't know, I think 13 or 15 new membership packages went out last week, and we've got no! uh, six or seven of them going out this week. And uh, it's exciting to watch the growth again and to watch some really solid people that get what this is really about um, really stepping up. We haven't seen that in like in a year. It's been a minute, yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, so we got Patrice making some noises from the gallery here. We're (laughs) going to put her on stage, and she's going to talk to us for a minute about uh, due process. And, And then we've got... Pete Yapel and Sage. Um, Sage Arndahl is going to actually come on before Pete. Um, Pete's actually been talking with Sage for a while, and I just spoke with her earlier today, and she's got a lot to talk about, but today she's going to talk about um, what's going on with the recreational and medical uh, side of things up in Washington where everything's so great because we're legal. Um, I don't know what happened to my guest that wants to explain to me why regulating is better, but hopefully he'll make it. Um, but he's not in yet. So, anyways, we got Patrice Mahoney here sitting right next to me. Come on, oh, get in oh, closer. Oh, yeah, there, there we, we go. go. So, once again, as I introduced her before, oh, Patrice go. has got a lot of experience. She worked inside the correctional institution um, for how many years? 17 total. 17 years. So, uh, and how many different facilities were you in? I was, um, I did 10 years at Soledad Prison, and then I was recruited to help activate the new Folsom Prison, and then I was also the one and only female involved with setting up programs for inmates in the state. Well, there you go. So that's a, a heck of a resume, and... How many uh, how many inmates did you kick and beat and abuse? <laughs> Zero, but I can tell you that I've seen that. Yeah, I have too. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, well. I, I have seen some things that nobody should have to have to live through or be exposed to while working in prison. Well. Um, shaming, a lot of shaming. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing about about incarceration is the dehumanizing element of it. And, you know, the military does it for a purpose, um, to strip you down and build you back the way they want to. But prison and jail does it, I think, just for fun. Um, And that's sad, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So whether you're in jail or state prison or federal prison, all of our due process rights still apply. And what happened for me as I was working in the administrative segregation unit in Soledad Prison, and the prison law office, um, I, I'm sure most of you have heard about the jailhouse lawyers, and the jailhouse lawyers that I've met in prison are so knowledgeable and know so much, and there were two gentlemen 
um, that were in administrative segregation that filed uh, with the prison law office and they became case history. One is called Dusant and the other one is called Wright. And they burst the directors of the Department of Corrections at the time. And when I started working with um, the Human Solution, and I totally, totally support um, the court, the court support process, which is how I met Joe. And um, so the first case that I set in on was Shelby Lucero's case. <laughs> and um, what I saw was uh, I, I, I could not believe how many rights were violated, due process rights were violated while Shelby was incarcerated in the Sacramento County Jail. So going forward, um, I, I, I've asked Joe that I be allowed to be here on a regular basis so that we can talk about our rights, our civil rights. And what, what has spurred me on to this is I volunteer with third graders, and we are now going through our civil rights and court cases, and it it kind of made me feel old because I realized that I lived that history. So um, I want you to continue to please um, ask questions, any kind of questions about due process, if you're incarcerated, and how that all works. Um, and with that, I'm going to end it. And turn it back to you, Joe. Excellent. Well, that was a good intro, and we will be delving deeper <laughs> into all these things um, as we move along. All right, so we've got Sage from Washington with us now. And um, I know Sage has been uh, working with Pete Yaple, and she I don't know her that well, um, but we seem to have a lot in common, and I look forward to working with her a little more. So let's see what she has to say. And get get this show started. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. So tell us what's going on in Washington. Well, um, basically we have kind of a little situation going on. Uh, so as many know, in Washington, yes, we legalized cannabis. We have it in the recreational stores. But unlike other states like Colorado, um, when we legalized cannabis for recreational purposes, what happened was they didn't like the medical market. They considered it a competitor, the gray market. And so they wanted to merge medical into recreational. So stores either had to comply and join or close. The medical program was supposed to continue in the recreational stores because patients deserve to still have products Recreational products are not necessarily the same as medicinal-grade products. In fact, in Washington State, medical products have to have testing in a laboratory before they hit the shelves and pass heavy metal testing. Well, one of the problems we have here is that the one laboratory that was doing testing, molecular analytical, their permit is expiring you know, a lot of people may think that they go to their labs and they were having their labs test for heavy metals, but a lot of these labs are outsourcing to molecular. For example, I called Confidence Analytical. They outsource to molecular. Um, so with molecular down, 
there's not going to be products on the shelf. Now, the good news, semi-good news, is that I called this one uh, laboratory called Medical Creek Analytics, and they do have a machine to test it, but they don't currently have the permit. They are looking into getting the permit, so hopefully we'll get somebody on site soon. But until further notice, medical patients in Washington need to be aware that there's going to be a drought of medically certified products for I-502 in the recreational stores. And if you're just about as upset about this that I, as I am, um, the great news is, is that tomorrow in Olympia at the LCB headquarters, the Liquor Control Board headquarters at 3000 Pacific Avenue, Southeast Olympia, um, tomorrow, Thursday at um, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., there's going to be a meeting. Everybody who's in the area who can attend should attend because, once again, the LCB has dropped the ball. They've been dropping it extensively on so many other issues, for example, not having enough LCB people to really go around and follow up on on grows and making sure that regulations are being followed and instead acting retroactive when competitors call on their competition to follow up on them. They're not being, you know, proactive. They're being retroactive, and it's kind of like uh, a battle between the the corporations, the the you know cannabis companies, and it, it, that's not okay. You know, our health um, is important, and anytime you're smoking or vaporizing a product, your lens are a sensitive organ, and we need to make sure that, especially people who have immune compromised systems, have access to the most high quality cannabis because we deserve it. That's what this whole movement was about to get us where we didn't have to like grow it in our closet or sneak around the corner and find some shady person to get our cannabis. It was a way for us to come out and have true access to the products we need. And the ones who are regulating it are not doing their jobs. And just to get a point of reference, how many um, stores are there in Washington state? Do you have any idea? Oh, gosh, there's quite a lot. Um, I want to say there is, okay, well, I don't know the total number of all the recreational stores. However, I know that there's only about 150 of the stores currently who are able to provide uh, medical uh, recommendations in the I-502 because you have to have a – you have to basically pass kind of like a permitting test through the LCB to be certified to recommend medical products. And they only have a certain number of people who, I mean, everybody could do it, but only a certain number of have. And so I think there's about a total of like 344 registered with the system. Um, but then there's like only a hundred and uh, some stores that actually do the medical products. Let's so, just use that. For, let's just use an 150 just as a, a ballpark number. Yeah. And how many right. how many medical products would you say that a store generally would carry? Um, I would say in a percentage it probably would be somewhere between five to ten percent. Okay. Uh um, but I mean even a, a rough rough number of, of actual products. Oh. I mean Okay, I, I so in, in, I know there's there's a couple of I mean there's there's a couple of really good reputable companies out there, um, like I know um, 
Farmer Tom Laurelman, he's got his own uh, line in, in Washington State, and that's all that's organic. And then there's Trailblazing, and that's organic. So I, there's a couple of companies out there. So I'm going to say maybe I'm going to be trying to be fair because, like, each, you know, farm is going to have several products. Uh, right. So that's I'm what I'm talking about between... is actual product. I'm trying to get down to a number of tests that would be needed to be sufficient. And my point is going to be pretty clearly that one lab testing company would never be enough to cover a whole state's right. worth of products, not even logistically. Washington's not that no. huge of a state, but it's not small by any stretch. And if you've got a, uh, a store over on the coast uh, in Seattle and then you've got another store over on the east side in Spokane, that's a, that's a more than an hour plane flight, much less a drive. How, how logistically could that even work without, I would say, even dozens of labs to be able to manage the, the load? Well, let's just be be honest. There are, uh, you could, I guess you could call them runners. Uh, basically, when they work for a, when a farm has, like, products and they want to get them tested, they'll have one of their individuals drive to the lab and take it there because you can't mail a lab sample in the state of Washington. You'd have to drive sure. there. So, yeah, if you're over in Spokane and you have to go test your product over at, like, you know, a place over in Olympia, yeah, you're going to be on the road for probably about four to five hours during your day one way, <laughs> you know. Right. So, it, but uh, it's not efficient. It's clear the whole system is not set up efficiently. But what I was going to say in regards to your your, your wanting to know any products, it really has it's, – it's, crazy okay so when you think about it a farm might grow several strains each of those strains have to be tested there's a batch and they test the batch and then they certify that batch and then that batch is then um you know packaged and and labeled and everything like that and brought to the recreational stores um so you're talking you have to test all individual products from all the products from each individual company so if there's, like, 10 companies that do organics and each one has, like, maybe 30 or 40 different strains, you know, you're looking at, like, 300 to 400 samples you're testing in general. So um, it's quite a few, and it's not cheap. Uh, the pricing for each lab batch testing is about 250 to $300 for the heavy metal testing. Um, that's usually a package that encompasses all the other uh, aspects as well as like cannabinoid content, um, terpene content, um, you know, mold, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it, it, uh, the, uh, it's not standard that everybody has to do the full testing. So those who are doing the heavy metal testing for the organic sort of certification, you know, for the medical products, basically they have to pass, they have to pass that heavy metal testing. They have to pay that for each well, sample. Well, I always like to get back to a, a, a direct call to action, and you had a very clear one. Uh, why don't you go and, and reiterate, you have a meeting in Olympia, which is the capital of Washington, and um, this is important. People, if you've never been part of the process, um, all of these things happen at meetings, and these meetings are public, and they're announced, and generally speaking, there's very few of us that ever attend them, and most people don't know about them, or if they do know, they come up with other things that are more important. But if you do sit in some of these things, sometimes they're boring, sometimes they're pretty darn exciting, especially when somebody gets up 
and and is able to speak on a subject um, it, with with a little bit of uh, knowledge and eloquence. So, uh, Sage, why don't you go ahead and, and give us one more time how to where to be tomorrow, what time, and 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 all absolutely. The so it's at the Liquor Control Board headquarters in Olympia, Washington. The address is 3000 Pacific Avenue Southeast. And it's going to be tomorrow, Thursday, September, um, from um, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And so you, you, everybody needs to show up. You know, even if you don't, you don't have to necessarily speak. They do sometimes give an opportunity for people to to speak. But just your body in the room. When you get enough bodies in a room, it makes an impression upon the city council, upon the, the, the state of of Washington, you know, uh, it, it, it puts an impression on them about how important this issue is to the public. So even if you don't speak, you're still important. I couldn't okay. agree more. Okay. I, I absolutely, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we've been saying about our, you know, people come to the organization and they're like, well, I don't know what I can do. I don't think I can do this, that, or the other thing. But generally speaking, all you have to do is show up. And, and whether it's at a court hearing or, or a meeting like this or, or at the polls when it's time to vote, generally speaking, if you just show up, you're doing something, and you're doing something substantial, right. and you're, you're not only doing something as an individual action, but you're making it easier for more people to do it. I think that's just as important. So awesome. So very, very awesome. Hey, hey Joe, can I just uh, uh, pop in here for something? <laughs> non area here. I just wanted to give an example of what happened um, up in uh, Redding, no, Shasta, Lake, um, up in Shasta up there, when uh, the Beno 3, when they were just having, it was just a minor change of date or something like that, but there was, I think, 30-some-odd people that showed up for court support, and usually there's no one else in the courtroom, and everyone was very, um, they were clean, quiet, respectful, sat in their seats, and the moment that that date was changed and the attorney and uh, the Benos walked out, 30-some-odd people stood up quietly and filed out of the room. You could have heard a pin drop. Everyone was, what in the world was that? Just wanted to say that made a big difference. Absolutely. And, and okay, what, what, what Mary's talking about is, is something that we've seen in courtrooms, but it happens the same in a, in a city council meeting. Um, there's nothing more deafening than the sound of a dozen or two dozen people quietly getting up and walking out when their topic is done, when the hearing is over, and it's, there's, there's no question that this is what these ones were here for. So absolutely, folks, if you can, show up. And Sage, it's a, 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 a privilege to have you be part of the show today, and um, hopefully you'll uh, become a regular and, and keep us informed what's going on up there. Absolutely. I'd love to have uh, the opportunity. You know, uh, my my specialty is usually uh, cooking with cannabis, but uh, I am, I am you know, active in, in the cannabis activism world just because as a fellow patient I care a lot about what happens especially where I live beautiful well we appreciate it and uh, we're trying to create a world where it's not even possible to go to jail for a plant and uh, we're working hard until that happens we're going to keep on going so Sage thank you so much for joining us and uh, please let me know how it all went 
Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You betcha. All right, let's see. Pete Yaple is going to come up next. And uh, Pete is a powerhouse right now out of New York. He is all over the place. He's got uh, a podcast radio show. He's got broadcast TV he's doing. He's doing educating people. He's uh, managing a chapter. Him and his wife are chapter coordinators in the Solidarity Over Separation chapter. This guy is making me look like I'm lazy. Welcome to the show, Pete. How are you doing? <laughs> We're doing good, Joe. Actually, you know, it's pretty cool tonight because uh, we've got four outstanding members of Solidarity sitting right here as I talk to you on speaker. i got James and Nikki with me, and i got Helen with me. She got off work early tonight, so she was able to hey, she's, she's tickle things. Get you out of that job. You just had Sage on, like one of my favorite females ever. <laughs> we like her too. This is, this is good. We may have to talk about her. Yeah, well, we're yeah. going to have to split custody. Yeah, well, we we'll definitely will share her, man. She yeah. is a wealth of information. And when I heard about a dude coming on from Washington today, you know, the first, but, well, the first thing that I'm up in my yeah, head yeah, was, I got to get in touch with Sage. But I don't know what happened. He he. Uh, he I, I'm hearing the tubas warming up in the background right now. We'll see what happens. Hey hey, listen. It, it, this this the argument. I mean, I mean, the, the point he would try to make would be completely moot. I mean, as much as I love Sage, and I love Sage, please know that I do. She's one of my again one of my favorite people uh, that I deal with continually. And um, uh, but the whole conversation was about regulation and testing and what more it could cost us in order to just treat with a plant that was grows from the ground, whether we're here or not. So, I mean, I understand the importance of this. People do have to get out. I mean, this is just like when, when people say, what can I do? Hell, listen, you think you're legal, you know, <laughs> Did you just hear the conversation we just had? Uh, or yeah. that just happened? I mean, I mean and there wasn't anything legal involved there. That was all law, for Christ's sake. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's the battle we're trying to fight. The day that we don't have to fight this and the day when, when cannabis is as normal as an elm tree, a, a oak tree, or grass, an onion, however anybody wants to describe it, I, I – I, I don't really care whatever whatever you want to compare it to. That's just a normal thing in a day. But, you know, like you, Joe, you know, I mean, you, you, li- you live a lot more fortunate than I. I wish I could wake up and look at a, a cannabis plant growing out my window. I really <laughs> that. I mean, that, that. I mean, those are my, my dreams. But at the same time, I don't, I don't worry per se about how I take care of myself because I know if I don't take care of myself the way I do and treat myself – Medically, the way I do with cannabis, I'm going to be a very sick man. Um, I used to cost the government over a million dollars a year in Medicare bills um, when I treated Western medicine and took 136 pharmaceutical pills a day prescribed. Not what I abused. That's what I was prescribed. So I would take that in a day, but I switched that all for uh, oils from a plant, and in, in my world, that can't be illegal in any fashion. Because if so, that gives my life zero value. And um, 
there may be people out there that dislike me, but I still don't believe my, my life to anyone has zero value because they put forth effort to hate me. So <laughs> there's a reason anyway. So uh, wow, wow, I, I just wow. think that I just think that we, we truly have to embrace the fact that we're dealing with a substance that has never hurt anybody, never killed anybody, never intruded in anybody's life in a harmful way unless it's been brought forth by an entity of power. That's the only time the cannabis plant causes anybody's harm, if they're in possession of it and are caught with it and can't be. Regulations in general are wrong. The person with 30 grams of cannabis can walk down the street in in New York City and isn't bothered because he's a normal upstanding citizen. But if he has 31 grams, he's a felon. How how what what distinguishes between the gram? We had 3,000 people re- released from warrants in New York City today in the courts. They released 3,000 warrants of cannabis. People with cannabis warrants, warrants for their arrest for the cannabis plant. Applaud. Again, just a crumb. What about the people that are sitting in jail that you've already prosecuted? You know, I mean, what about the next guy that gets busted with it? His warrant ain't going away. You're still arresting people. So what what are you really doing? You're giving 3,000 people peace of mind. 3,000. Again, Helen, in my point, what is so special about New York City? Why do they have such great rules compared to where we are? Now, get, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're great rules. But I can't carry 30 grams in Maybrook, New York, because I'm a felon. So how is it yeah, safe even it, divided? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, what, was, what was your word uh, the other day? Uh, that ridiculum. Ridiculum. Ridiculum going there, and I, I, you know, if I get time, well, I will make time, but I'm gonna. I I, I had pulled up a few uh, sets of stats to uh, uh, to answer back to Don or anybody else who who wanted to convince me that regulating the cannabis plant was so darn important. And um, you know, I wasn't here to. I was here to support Sage's uh, position, so I, I didn't even want to get into that. However, um, I I do feel very strongly about the lack of or the need to remove regulations from this plant, not not just reality, but remove the regulations as well. Absolutely, because. Because, listen, that's, that's what we live and die and are, are killed or survive by if we even want to try to even, say, just be involved in the industry. I'm not even talking about being involved in the industry. I'm just talking about people. You, you, you know, why can't me, Peter Yapel, know that a plant can help them and grow it? I can do it with every, with every other plant in my backyard, every herb that's in my garden, every vegetable that's in my garden. It's there because it's good for my health. Cannabis is the only thing missing from that garden, other than a few things because I don't have room. But, I mean, it, that's what's missing there. That's the, the most viable, most healthy substance that I ingest on a daily basis. So, it, it, to, me, to me, 
by by doing this, we we really truly are proving to the world in, in in every sense. Because well, Amy Case King was on my show on Tuesday, and thank God she was on yours, and and she made a great point that you know like. With the opium crisis in the 20s, that's when cannabis regulations and, you know, everybody goes back to Arbucker and whatever. But it's before that, that that things really started happening, you know. But it's all happened, again, without any proof that the plant is harmful. No, no, there's no proof that the plant's going to harm you. And people go to jail for it. And the, that has to stop has to stop. That's why I'm part of this organization. That's why I'll never leave this organization. As long as someone's in jail, I'll be in this organization. And when this organization gets everyone out of jail, because I see the day where we will, we'll have another fight. You know we'll have another fight. I would love to be championing a different one than this, but we can't stop this one until we're done. Well, Pete, I That's appreciate right. you being how does somebody get a hold of you when uh, when they want to help out in New York? All they got to do is you can go on Facebook and get in touch with us through Solidarity Over Separation, the New York chapter of the Human Solutions. You can find us uh, at com. All of the links for all of everything we do are on there. Our TV shows, Solidarity, Willow Creek Springs, we've got everything on there. We've got our industry associates, Joe, Sage, you'll see all these people on there as well. Please visit our website, or you can just directly call me at 845-522-3162. Just real quick, next Friday is our class that we hold in Sugarloaf, New York, at Denise Orzik's studio, the Holistic Healing Studio. That'll be from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, guys. Keep on coming out, man. We're going to break down cannabinoids this time. We're going to break apart the cannabis plant, explain cannabinoids to you, what they do, how they're helpful, and how ingesting them can help you. So I try to make them say things like that, you know, just what's understand it. Go, Helen. All right, Pete. I don't see that. Don't listen to you scream in the background, Helen. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. It's all good. It's all good. Love to hear her voice. Awesome. All right, Pete. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, we're going to keep going. I think the guy from Colorado is on the line now, and uh, I'm glad he made it. So, um, let's see. I think I recognize the number, so let's see if this is it. we got Darren Elliott on the line now. Darren, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? All right. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing um, well. You're the one I talked to just uh, yesterday or so. What? Excuse me? Did I, I spoke with you. Yes, you're the one with the case in Colorado? No, I'm like with the one. In, I've been talking to you for the last few months. I'm the one with the case in Ohio. With, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, and Glenn, oh, Glenn yeah, Smith and my court date and with, with the three other co-defendants who's been all over the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, hold on. I, I, I was expecting a guy to call in from Colorado, and I thought your phone number, a 513 number, was a Colorado number, but it totally my mistake. I totally, I totally know who you are, and we, you were, we were talking about your case earlier uh, with um, – um, uh, Bob, and I, my brain is just not working good today, but anyways, um, had come on earlier and was talking about advocating for uh, patients' rights up in Ohio, and uh, mm-hmm. you have been on the show numerous times talking about your uh, about your case, 
And it's another right. one of these BS cases in, in many ways similar to Glenn and Peggy's case. You guys were traveling, um, following your law, and yeah. you got pulled over, and next thing you know, everybody's fighting felonies. Um, wow. What kind of right. progress has been in your case? Well, um, my lawyer called. We, well, we were supposed to have an evidentiary hearing today. And um, our doctor was supposed to come get on the stand and testify in front of the judge. Well, my lawyer, my lawyer called me yesterday and said that the evidentiary hearing got pushed back. The trial's still set for October 8th or 11th. I'm not sure. I got to look. I got it in my book, on my um, phone, in my calendar. And um, <clears throat> he said that that he wrote it. All, we, well, me, me and my other three co-defendants, which is this is crazy. They all of our attorneys filed different motions. Well. My other three uh, co-defendants' attorneys filed motions to suppress on different stuff. Well, my my attorney filed a motion to dismiss on the uh, validity that that the medication that we got came from. We got a prescription from a from a from a licensed doctor, and we obtained the medicine legally, and we followed by law and came and, and was just traveling home. And the, we were stopped, and our medication was taken away from us illegally, and it's filed for a motion to dismiss. What's crazy that I've never heard of, and my, my, my lawyer told me, said that, that he's, our, our judge has been on our case the whole time, is going out of town. We have to go back to court. We have to go to court next Tuesday for, a, uh, for the evidentiary hearing that a different judge is going to be hearing the, these motions. I've never heard of anything like that before. A different judge is going to be hearing the motion to the suppress, but he's not going to hear the motion to dismiss till he gets back from vacation. Craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. So my, I, I, I get, I got a thousand questions for my lawyer. He keeps cutting me off. He's like, "There's one more thing I want to tell you." He said, "I said, so what's, what's, what, what's new?" He gets, so we, he gets, he said, he got, he caught the prosecutor coming out the hallway. He said, he, and he asked him. He said, "If this goes to trial, what, what are you trying to argue in front of a jury to convict my client?" He said, "Well, first of all." I don't know if the affirmative defense covers him going to Michigan and getting the medications, which right there tells me that he did not read the bill because right it's, it states clearly in the bill that you're allowed to go to Michigan or Pennsylvania, get your medication, you will be a, a, a covered and protected under the affirmative defense action until dispensaries are up and running in Ohio. Right there it told me the prosecutor didn't read the law. He don't know the law. And the, the, his second concern was, was that we was getting the medication to bring back to Cincinnati to sell. And my lawyer said, so that's your, two, that's your two arguments if this case goes to trial. One of them is you don't know the law, and the second one is that you have no proof and you think that he's going to bring it back to Cincinnati to sell, which was never our intentions. <clears throat> well, and, and more but importantly, there's, there's no evidence that they could possibly pre- present that would show that. So. I mean, the problem is, and, and this is a problem that we keep facing, and, and they punish you through the process. Even if, and let's just say you get all the way down to the end and they finally dismiss it, how many days did you take out of your life and have to go to court? How many jobs got lost because you couldn't work uh, and you were going to court? I've, how many? This, this, this case has costed. Probably around. I'm I'm out on a sixty thousand dollar bond right now, because I because I, I, I got a, I have a really bad heart condition. So, and 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 I, they wouldn't give me none of my medication, and my sister was concerned for my life because I I um 
So I, cause I just had heart surgery like a year and a half ago. So she came up and paid six thousand dollars for the bondsman to get me out. And then my other three co-defendants got an award at the uh, at the preliminary or whatever hearing the, uh, the the following week, which was pretty shitty. That I mean, but I had that. My I got a I got a really bad heart. So I, I, so I and they wouldn't give me none of my medication at all. So I had to I had to I had that my sister had to get me out. And um, not just that, all our medication. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I, I'm not even, I haven't even been able to go get medication like I was getting from the dispensary because, I mean, it's, it's just a mess. I, I, I'm, it, it's, it's, it's costing us so much money, so much time. I put like 6,000 miles on our, on, on my car. It's, it's not just like when, when we go to court, it's a seven hour round trip. We got to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Just to be at uh, four o'clock in the morning, just to be at court on time by nine. So everybody got to get up, get ready, meet up, and get in a car and take a seven-hour round trip to go back and forth to court to go into the courtroom for the last three times, besides this last time, just to be told um, I'm not looking for a month, another month for another pretrial. I mean, this yeah. is this is people's lives with people. I got I got three of the underlying conditions, uh, the 21 underlying conditions uh, for medical marijuana. This is. It's like really taking a toll on me. When I take these trips to go to court, the, the, the very next, the whole next day when I come home, I'm pretty much laid up in bed because I'm so sick feeling from taking that 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 what, seven hour nonstop trip. It it just takes so much out of me. No, and it's I and they just like and it's like they just keep beating on us. Like it's physically and mentally and emotionally just draining me, the life out of me. Well, and that's why it's but so I'm not, important. But I'm not. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you. I just. But I'm not. I will not. I will not take a deal. I did not do nothing wrong, and I'm facing 33 years in prison right now because the, the because the prosecutor don't know the law. Because I read all 86 pages of the bill, and it states clearly in the bill that the affirmative defense action does cover us going to Michigan and getting our medication until dispensaries are up and running. Well, and that I, was I, one of the prosecutor's defenses. <laughs> I 100% support you guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, Glenn will get the information out there. What? Um, when is your next court date that you have to go and make this trek? Uh, next Tuesday. So, so uh, the, the judge the judge got mad. I, I, I've never heard. Have you ever heard anything like that? I mean, these are big felony charges that we're, that we're being accused of for, for just to be passed on to a judge that knows nothing about our case to hear motions to suppress them. I, I, I don't know, but I, that just don't seem right to me. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I've seen it happen way too many times it happened in my case and i've watched it happen in a number of cases um there's there's certain things that the that the judge that is hearing the case is required to rule on but most things many things uh, any judge can sit in um and and hear any number of different motions but there are certain things that the judge that is seeing the case is required to be there for, but um, apparently a motion to suppress is not one of them. I don't know what they are specifically, and I think it varies from state to state, but I, I unfortunately I've seen it happen uh, both in state and federal court where a, a substitute judge has sat in 
Um, and that's ridiculous. And there's nothing about the case. Well, I, I, I don't even bother me because he he told me he said this is the other thing I want to tell you is the judge went over my brief. He said oh, they filed their motions and I filed a motion for you, a motion to dismiss. He said the judge brief went over to my my motion briefly. He said he he was impressed by my motion and he's not going to rule him on that motion until he gets back from vacation. So I see it going to the next court date, and if the judge don't dis, I pretty much think that the judge don't want to dismiss it himself, so he pass it off to another judge, hoping that that judge is going to go ahead and get the a grant of the 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 uh, motion to suppress, which would throw the case kids get the case kicked out. Because if and yeah, if not, he's going to hear the motion to dismiss, and, and he's right. going to rule on the motion to dismiss when he gets back. Because they know either way that we're we're not nobody's taking deals, and we're facing. Three have three felony twos and three felony threes. It's not like we're facing a little bit of time. We're facing thirty-three years in prison every last one of us. No, I. I, but I, I and we all we strongly feel the same way. Like, why would we take any type of deal when what we was doing was by the law? It's so corrupt. Yeah, no, and, and and you know what? I I I respect the hell out of you guys because frankly, most people do take the deal. Even when they yeah, were I following can't. the law, yeah. and and yeah, I, I, can't I do it. good. I mean, that's you have the right attitude. You have. I tell you what, you're in. You're in the three percent of the people that actually stay and fight their cases. Three percent, on average, ninety-seven percent of all cases are settled in a plea deal, and three percent are 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 taken to fight. Yep. And if one. if that number was was ten. Even if three turns into be the ten, way it is right now. we would yeah. knock it back. So yeah, it anyway, be the way it is right now. What I I um, if somebody was to come and support you, um, can you throw out an address and a time? Yeah, it's um uh, next Tuesday in Lucas. I don't know the exact address because I'm coming from Cincinnati, but it's a Lucas County's courthouse in Toledo, Ohio, and courtroom five at a. Uh, nine a or at eleven o'clock. I'm sorry, next Tuesday, and then we go in Lucas County, Ohio, and yeah. And and the name of the defendant, Darren Elliott, and um, you know what? Please. Stephanie, Stephanie, it'd be, it'd be Darren Elliott, Stephanie Kidwell, Amanda Meyer, and Ian Overton. The news will be there. The, the media will be there. I, I already spoke to a reporter that's been driving up from Cincinnati almost every big appearance there. He'll be up there the next court day. He's the one that ran the, the first media. Then he um, he went. He drove also went to Peggy and Glenn's house and interviewed them. It's the same reporter that went and interviewed them at their house. Well, he he's gonna be he's gonna be up there. So he's been riding with us through it all to all of it too. Well, it, it, he thinks it's, it's that wrong. One reporter that that you know is willing to to follow your case. I had one guy. Um, that sat in every – I was in court. My trial lasted 18 days in court, and I had one reporter that sat in that courtroom every day, and he took notes, and he wrote a total of three or four articles about my trial, and in no small way did those articles affect the outcome of the case ultimately when it was overturned. So, um, you know, these are all things that make a difference, and uh, – you know, just know that we're standing here with you. Um, you know, I'm three thousand miles away, but um, I mean it when I say I'm there. I'm there with you. 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate all the support. I just, yeah, I just, it's just so corrupt to me, man. I just can't write my mind around it. It's just, dra- it's just draining the life out of me. But I, 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 like I told everybody else, we're, we're staying tall. We ain't taking no deals. We did, we did nothing wrong. Well, so they're gonna have, they're gonna have to prove their case. Yep. Well, I, uh, I look forward to watching your victory, and I, and I. You know, when I was going through my case, everybody told me, oh, you're going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, it's easy for you yeah. to say. So I'm not going to sit yeah. there and, and throw that at you. But I do mean it when I say I, I, I look forward to, to seeing you run a victory lap. I, pre- I appreciate it. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be in touch. I'll, I'll call next week and let you know what happened as soon as I get to court. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And just keep on fighting, my friend. I will, buddy. And you have a good one. All right. You too. All right. Darren Elliott, uh, a warrior. Um, you know, have two two cases that we're supporting out of Ohio right now is unprecedented. Um, there's probably dozens more cases just like theirs that we don't even know about. Um, just remember, everybody, we're a grassroots, nonprofit, all-volunteer organization. Uh, we mobilize as we can when we're when we're needed, and that's how it works. We are not going to hunt you down. We don't know about you unless you come to us. Eighty percent of the people that reach out to me don't follow through, don't follow up, and there's not much we can do if you don't. But um, when you do, we will do everything we can, and we will rally support, and we won't stop until we've got to the victory line. All right, um, I got ten minutes left. Non-compliant Mary had to leave early. It looks like I got George Marcherano on the line, and I'm gonna bump him on without screening because Mary had to take off. So uh, George, here we go, live on the air. George Marcherano, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, my brother, my real brother. How are you? How are my West Coast friends? Always enjoy y'all. Uh, you know, coming on, it's, uh, uh, incidentally, it's, it's, I don't mean to be, uh, sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't, there's so much going on, because, you know, I have to be, I have to speak live, uh, at, at about 10, 10.45, 10.50 in the evening, and, uh, you know, a guy like me, uh, who, uh, you know, looking good for business, <laughs> doing a little, <laughs> Doing a lot of this and that, but incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, I, I love to be on the show. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the first ever in the city of Philadelphia, the Hip Hemp Cafe, Hip Hemp Cafe that's under construction right now, and uh, it's going to be uh, with hemp coffee and uh, CBD products, and uh, it's in uh, it's in a great neighborhood, my neighborhood, and uh, as a matter of fact, I already I uh, have agreements with. Uh, not a yoga instructor, but a yoga master. We're going to do target yoga with uh, CBD uh, salves, and we're going to do uh, we're going to do target uh, acupuncture with CBD salves. And uh, I feel so I feel so great because it's going to help so many people that are ill. So many people that are uh, just walking here uh, to this location to do the show and met with a, a, a woman. And her father's very, very ill. And uh, she can't wait, you know, the shop to get open, the Hemp Hemp Cafe to help her. And I said, no, no, let's not wait. 
I says, I'll go, I will come to your home tomorrow and I'll speak to you and your dad what he needs, what he needs with the CBDs to help him along. I just feel so proud, ladies and gentlemen, that finally, finally, Philadelphia, my city, sets, it sets up. It's a good city, but it's a very conservative. They're not as, they, they, they don't understand. They're starting to understand, like California, with the CBDs. And I'm just so happy to bring it in and help, help so many. And incidentally, again, ladies and gentlemen, Joe, Joe Crumbine, he's, he's, he's the guy that taught me about CBDs and how, how it can help so many people. So, you know, it's a working process. You know, our, our country, our country, our cities, our towns, our communities are a working process. But you must do the work. You must try to assist in little ways as much as you can to help so many. And, uh, and I'll be talking to Joe constantly now because he's the best for counseling how to set up my shop in the best way I can. We'll probably be flying Joe in. Just, uh, you know, the short time I'm home, you know, I, I have to go with people I can trust. And Joe, Joe is absolutely somebody I can trust. Right, brother Joe? You got it, my friend. You got it. And I look forward to, to watching that shop get, get uh, built and developed. I, 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 have not spent much time, if any, in Philadelphia, so I'm I'm looking forward to coming out there and helping you get set up. Yeah, we were talking about that today. I'll be calling you. I'll be calling you probably uh, be this weekend. Tell you to come in. We need the expertise and consulting how to set it up and you know what products we need on the shelves. It's a great location. Incidentally, uh, we we already had a. Inquires from New York. They want to do a weekly, a weekly TV show right from the Hidden Cafe. I love it. I love it. We got a guy. We got a guy in knows how to do the whole uh, public access TV, and um, we're we're learning we're, we're learning a lot about that whole venue. So um, I've got a guy in New York that could maybe be helpful for sure. All right, well, we'll talk about it. So that's what this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this show is all about. It's not about, uh, you know, Joe was trying to get this show every week. It's not about me coming on every week and stuff like that. It's about helping others, about helping others. You know, I had a, I had a personal situation with my sister, uh, my younger sister. She lost her son seven months ago. And uh, it was our only child, and a heart attack. And it was his birthday yesterday. So guess what? Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? To get her through that day, you know what we did? Is, you know, we got her months ago. We got her off of all the prescription drugs. They had her on every kind of uh, prescription drug you, you can imagine. Made her a zombie. And now we got her on CBDs. And yesterday, I mean, she, she laughed and she cried. She cooked. She exercised, but she had a life. We did you that know, all George, I remember, uh, I remember talking to your sister. My wife and I were in the car, and she called us and was talking about, you know, that she was just so anxious and she couldn't, she she couldn't bear to go to sleep some nights because it was just she get overwhelmed overwhelmed with this anxiety. And we talked to her and you know sent her some things and uh, when she called back. 
I don't know, a couple of weeks later, uh, it was just so uh, heartwarming to hear how she said what a difference it made and to know that now she's able to, to smile and laugh a little bit um, in spite of the loss and the pain uh, without having all those layers of goo that those opiates do and those psych meds do. They, they just, like, put a slime all over you and to yeah, make it yeah, so yeah. you you can't see and feel and you, you you can with this medicine you can still endure it doesn't make it go away it doesn't make it all go away but it makes it bearable and it makes it to where you can still keep your head about you while it's happening and i think that's the thing that people once they discover it they it, it becomes a miracle to them for those reasons yeah i'm just so happy to be involved i didn't i didn't understand it uh Joe, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Joe told me, you know, from him teaching me to get the foundations now, I'm learning more and more, and it definitely, definitely helps so, so many aspects to get the, the mind and the body. I'm just so proud to be in the, in the fourth running process in my state, Pennsylvania, and soon Jersey. Jersey goes for a vote uh, in a few weeks for recreational use, and uh, I, like I said before, so I own the rights. I own the franchise for Pennsylvania and Jersey for the Hempfest Festival. And, uh, you know, it's not about hoopla. It's not about making money. It's about helping others. I love it. That's the ladies have all gathered around. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're supporting that. They were looking forward to watching that happen. George. George. Hey, sweetheart. Hi. Yeah, Hi, George. I, I I'll be your out there is, soon. <laughs> <laughs> your girl is here, Kathy Z. Hi, George. Oh, my sweetheart. You better, <laughs> how you doing, sweetheart? I'm you so doing? glad I better, you came out there, George. I can't, I can't wait to get out there. Well, Come out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be soon. It'll be soon. We can't either, George, and we'll get a horse, too. <laughs> We'll find that horse for you. Sunset with a cup of coffee with honey in it. Remember, you like honey. I was so, I was so caught up in, uh, in uh, my uh, Joey's and Liz's home. I get up early morning. I was walking all over the hills, and Liz, uh, she's quiet. She just watched, and she knew, she knew it was going to happen. Sure enough, it happened. My, I blew out my ankles. Uh, I couldn't even yep. get up. And Liz in the street. Running down the hill. <laughs> yeah, she put that stab on my ankles, and I was good to go. But uh, <laughs> I just love it out there. The old first yeah, day kid. You lay there at night, and you hear the coyotes, and it's just, it's just so great. It's so great. I'll be out there again, guys. All right. Yeah, love Look forward to it. I love everybody. See you next. Talk to you next week. You got it. All right. George Martirano, folks. All right. We got a couple of minutes left. I got Tom Corby to give us the update. Um, But before we do that, first of all, um, Tracy Glor Pike is watching. um, And I understand action that we can be helpful in uh, regarding Lance Glor. And I don't know what it is specifically. So, Tracy. Call in next week if you can. Let us know what we can do to help. We we very much support you and Lance. 
and uh, we want to we want to be helpful, but I don't know specifically what can be done right now. Um, Where is that at? This is Tracy Glover up in Washington. Okay. <coughs> Her son Lance is in federal right. prison. All right. <coughs> well, um, if anybody knows Don Skakey, tell him uh, he forgot to call in and join the show, but I welcome him anytime to discuss uh, why he thinks things ought to be regulated, um, and maybe he rethought his position. Maybe freedom is better than oppression, um, but we'll see. Anyways, I wanted to throw a couple of things that I was going to mention, and, you know, we talk about the need to regulate pot and the need to control and to, you know, we what about the children and the heavy metals and the, the, the pesticides and the mold and all the horrors and the scary shit? Well, I got to tell you this. There are so many poisonous compounds that kill people constantly in this world. And I went in and I started looking it up. And <coughs> I can go to the store today. And it might be one store, it might be a couple of stores. But I can go and buy some hydrochloric acid or sulfuric acid in the form of pool acid. And I can buy ethylene glycol in the form of antifreeze. And I can buy arsenic in the form of rat poison and warfarin in the form of rat poison. And I can buy uh, any number of plants. I can, I can buy azaleas and I can buy diefenbachias and I can buy narcissus and lilies. And I can buy drain cleaner. And I can buy aspirin, and I can buy allergy medicine, and any one of those substances, if you look up the statistics of poisonings, is rampant. I mean, hundreds of people die from these things every single year, and yet there is no outcry. There is zero desire to regulate hydrochloric acid or ethylene glycol, very, very toxic and poisonous substances that will kill you if given the opportunity. And these are things that a child could get a hold of and die from easily, and they do year after year after year. And there is no regulation on them whatsoever. Fucking ever. When I was a 10-year-old boy, I could walk into the hardware store and I could buy rat poison and I could buy antifreeze and I could buy pool acid and I could do anything I wanted with it because there is zero regulation of these very dangerous things. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So... If you think it's important to regulate cannabis, please explain why these things don't need to be regulated. That's what I want to know. 
All right, we got Tom Corby to close down the show, and let's see what he has to say. Tom Corby, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing today? Well, I want to thank you, Joe, for Mary, Coffee Party Radio Show. Always all goes on the front line. Uh, I want to wish uh, Tracy to Mike a happy birthday today. If there was ever a mother that came for her son, Tracy, it really comes hard. And brothers, as time to three last for all our POWs, the personal victims aren't going to be a crime. Uh, when we talk about due process, thanks to Tracy for her. Nice talk and sharing. Uh, many of us that have experienced the uh, injustices inside these courtrooms, like Frank and Ann, my friend that was with me, uh, they do their best to keep this discovery out. And that's number one discovery. Or without your discovery, how can you work your case? Now, once you get that discovery, it's just new, investing new defense when you defense. A good PD, and there are some good public defenders and a good attorney, first thing they're going to do is get that discovery, uh, and they're going to start filing their 99th dismissed probable cause motion. And like Joe said for years, caught me so much, we always take them on to trial. Or if we had done that, even 10%, we wouldn't be here today. Now, we understand that on a federal level, because of schedule on drug, uh, even in the, the local courtrooms, they always throw in schedule on And it's a tough road to hold. When it's a federal case, uh, it's hard not to plea bargain and stand your ground. Uh, We honor those that do, always. These letters, these letters of of dismissal, pardon letters, uh, and I want to shout out to the uh, Keatings and Kimmels for standing their ground up there in Ohio. I have their letter right here, and we could keep writing these letters, not only for the Keelings, for all POWs. These letters I like to keep short to brevity, and uh, this letter I might have read before. I want to read again and point out a couple things here. And to the Honorable Judge Jeff R. Ingraham, and that's a court of common pleas. Now, that's, that's different. A court of common pleas, and that's the 101 Main Street, Salina, Ohio, 45822. You can still write these letters for the Keelings, and it's from Tom and Donna Corby of NorCal, Human Solutions International dot org, or the California address. The subject of this letter is Glenn and Peggy Sue Kimmel request for dismissal. When I heard the word expungement, I'm going to tell you right now, my friend Toby and others will tell you, an expungement is not good enough. It is a start. 
we understand now that once you once you if you do have to plea out and you once you finish and your fines and your probation now we understand that in some cases a dismissal is automatic. I would suggest always following through, like Joe said today, do not count on your attorneys. Make sure that when you're done to clear your records that your case is dismissed. Uh, And don't forget to breathe. (laughs) My letter letter is is, is to the judge and who will make a turn, and and this, this is a... Uh, please consider our request to dismiss Glenn Keeling and Peggy Sue Kimmel, or it's our understanding that they were under compliance in Ohio and staying with the goal guidelines. Moreover, it seems the DA has no real direct evidence, rather only circumstantial. Therefore, reasonable doubt plays a big role in a jury trial here. Furthermore, probable cause is in question. And if there's no victim, there's no crime. Again, if we're filing these 995 dismissed probable cause motions, most of the time there is no probable cause. Uh, Also entrapment that comes under that clause and take them on to trial. This is how in Butte County in Northern California uh, we have very few, if any, and uh, always stand your ground and take them on, make them sick of you, throw everything at them. Uh, you, su- you subpoena. There has to be a complainant in any case, and you subpoena all the complainants, all the officers, all the records. And then I understand, Joe, that they really cannot take you on to trial so you have all your discovery now. Uh, and that discovery, your police support, again, I'm going to point this out as your first discovery, and it's not scary, folks. Once you're booked, it's online. Punch it in and get your get your police report and find out what's up exactly against you. Uh, you want to make copies, get them out to all of us that can help, and start working your case halfway with us. This is how we're how we're winning the war. Um, so they they are in this welcome reading down below here now. Glenn and Peggy Sue are not a threat to society, but rather assets, and we will vouch for that. And from what I've heard from the Keelings and Kimmels, we need more like them standing their ground. Uh, that will be said. Consider our plea for dismissal. Thank you, respectfully, Tom and Donna Corby, of California. These letters go a long way, so it's also uh, leniency, uh, clemencies. I understand that the Trump administration uh, is working on these clemencies. I don't understand why Trump hasn't fired Sessions. Uh, <laughs> I have to say that uh, it, it's actually uh, sifting through the federal level up here in Northern California now. One of the Farmers Association pointed out here. I think I pointed out last week 
one of our top growers up here in California got busted. They were in complete compliance. Uh, I guess there was a dog barking next door gave the uh, neighbor reason to complain. And what happened here is kind of scary. Don't need a warrant. Busted locks, tore everything down, and scary situation. So when we think that things are getting better, folks, uh, I have to say, uh, and I always point out that the word legalization is just more laws and regulations that screw us mom and pop growers. We like to think of it maybe as a step to finally ending prohibition and failed the failed war on cannabis and we all our POWs. That's our goal and vision at the Human Solution International. Come join us volunteer. Help us be the solution. And don't forget to breathe. Uh, time to bring in Willie. Thank you, Jill, and all today. You Bye, betcha. Tom. Thank you so much, Tom. And uh, let's see what Willie Nelson I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.